Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, TaylorMade Golf, and Golf Pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Hey, good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for voting the show into Podcast Magazine's Hot 50 list again this month for the month of September. We're up two spots from August to number 34. I really appreciate your support. It's exciting to see the show growing, and I really appreciate the fact that you guys are making that happen. I want to start off this week's show by reminding you about one of our sponsors, the Macklemore which is a fantastic community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee on Lookout Mountain. And folks, I know you hear me say this all the time, but you really got to see this place to believe it. Go online to themacklemore.com because everything they have going on up there is fantastic. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. Our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest has named it Best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why all of them are saying that by going online to check out the resort at themacklemore.com. Okay, on to tonight. And my first guest is going to be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tonight, TP and I are going to talk about what we've seen from Dustin Johnson over the last several weeks. Hard to imagine that back at the end of May when he missed the cut at the Colonial for the Charles Schwab Challenge, He was ranked 115th in the FedEx Cup standings, and now here we are. He's the tour champion, so we are definitely going to talk about that. Also want to look ahead to the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, plus get a couple of lessons from Tom as well. Plus, rumor has it, he's got very exciting news to share tonight, so we're really looking forward to having TP back on the show and joining me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from PGA Tour legend Hal Sutton, And Hal's become a great friend of the show over the last couple of months. Tonight, we're going to talk about his new indoor studio that he's got built now and opened down in Houston. You can go visit Hal there and get lessons from him in person. Or you can submit a video of your swing to him through his updated website, HalSuttonGolf.com. Tonight, I also want to get his thoughts on DJ and the U.S. Open. We'll also talk about how to handle pressure, whether it's facing down Tiger Woods at the 18th hole at the Players' Championship or just in your member guest tournament, we're going to get some tips on how to deal with that pressure and learn to love those moments. Looking forward to having Hal back on the show. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round down tonight's show by getting a visit from Bill Embloff. And Bill is the founder of Shoots Golf, and that's S-H-O-O-T-Z Golf. And you can find them online at shootsgolf.com. Bill's company is producing some products that can help get rid of that clankety-clank sound that we have with our golf clubs and our golf bag. Whether you're carrying your bag around with you, or you've got it on the back of the golf cart or just in the back of your car, right? He took a couple of old ideas, married it with some new ideas for displaying and protecting our golf clubs. It really looks fantastic, folks. We're going to hear all about it when he joins me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as I always say, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. 
Want to say hello to my friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence and remind you about their great golf shows. Mitch's podcast is called Talking Golf Getaways. I had the privilege of recording an interview with he and his co-host Darren Bunch last week. It's going to air sometime a little bit later on in the month. So big thanks and shout out to those guys. Check out their podcast again, Talking Golf Getaways. They're going to let you know about great places you can go stay and play around the U.S. and Canada and also give you some information about courses you might not be aware of. You can stream their podcast over on GolfTripX.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Folks, if you love golf and travel, their show's fantastic, and so are the both of those guys. Matthew's show is called Backspin Golf. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. Eastern Tea Time. I never miss an episode because Matthew is a fantastic host. He always has great guests, uh, including our friend Perry French at the top of the show every week. You can stream his show live by going online to WLXG.com or by downloading the WLXG app. Tune in, folks. You're going to see why I rave about that show every week. And, folks, this show is brought to you by TaylorMade's TP5 and TP5X golf balls, played by, oh, by the way, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, and Jason Day. It's the hottest tour ball in golf. Now, I know you know those names, but thousands of other golfers have already made the switch to the TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X, and it's also available in high-visibility yellow. Are you the next to make the switch? Check it out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now back in here to kick off this week's show is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. You can visit him and improve your golf game this winter at his indoor facility, which has all the latest gadgets and technology at his home down in Naples, Florida. TP is teaching this summer somewhere in a continual loop from Carmel, Indiana, all the way to the east end of Long Island and back. So like I say every week, if you're on any of the major interstates along that route and you see a white Chevy Silverado, beep your horn at Tom and get him to pull over at the nearest rest stop. He can help improve your game right there. That's too much trouble. You can download the V1 video app and send him videos of your golf swing. He's going to respond to you with all kinds of great content and information about your swing. You can send him a question via his website, TomPatry.com, where you can also subscribe to his newsletter. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. Has his own show now Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Instagram Live with some of the best guests that you're going to find anywhere. I love the show. TP's a great host now. You know, don't, don't let him sell you short. He does such an outstanding job. I love watching the show every week, and I'm glad to have him back with me again this week here on Next on the Tee. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Christy boy! <laughs> Tommy, how are you, TP? I'm good, Chris. I'm, I'm a little sad this week, Chris. My my Yankees are tanking it. They're tanking it terribly, man. They're they're, they're playing almost at a Red Sox type level, so it's really kind of <laughs> miserable right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a little little New York humble pie for you. Just just remember, oh, this century, just... nobody dominates sports like Boston sports. Oh, Don't forget that, really, my friend. Really, oh boy. So you're, you're so you're now you're a Tampa Bay fan, are you not? You're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a Steeler fan. I'm not even a Patriots fan, but you know, I gotta I gotta pile on with the Boston stuff. But you know, well, you, I'm you, a Steeler you know, fan you know, and uh, looking forward to the season, my friend. You know, the Steelers open up with, don't you? The New York Giants, and we're gonna eat your lunch. <laughs> so, I, I need, I need on Monday night football for the whole football world to see. So don't oh, think you better keep your phone next to you. That's all I'm saying. 
boy. Oh boy. It's gonna be a bad season. I'm just I'm just gonna use the hiding somewhere. I'll be hiding behind the couch somewhere. <laughs> no doubt. So where are you, T P? I always like to try to find out where in the world is Tom Patrick this week. Well, I, I got some I got some I'm I'm in your town, pal. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in I'm actually in Pittsburgh, uh working with a couple of my college players who live here who are obviously not back in school right now. Uh, a young man that goes to Minnesota and a young lady that goes to Kent State, both very fine players, uh, really actually very fine players. They're really good. Uh, we worked all day today um, from 7 in the morning until about, uh, about an hour ago, and then we're going to work all day tomorrow, and then I get in the car the following morning. I drive back to Carmel, Indiana, and uh, spend a week there, then two days at Victoria National, which I'm kind of excited about, Chris, where they – just held the Corn Ferry Finals, and uh, I'm doing a corporate outing down there for Transamerica. And then, believe it or not, Chris, from there, I get to go home. So I'm pretty excited about wow. that. Wow. Yeah. You're yeah. going home? Yeah. Wow. Good yeah, for we're, you, <laughs> we're, we're, we're rounding third base heading for home, Chris. Yeah. And and as you as you head for home, rumor has it you have some exciting news to share tonight. Breaking news on Next on the Take. I do, I do. This is going to, the first place it's going to be announced, Chris. Nobody else knows about this. This is this is a world premiere from TP Golf. Uh, I just earlier this week that I've been asked to be the first ever director of instruction at a wonderful place called Crown Colony in Fort Myers. Uh, they've never had a director of instruction. Really nice facility, nice golf course, really solid golf course. A great practice facility, really a very healthy membership. So I will be their first ever director of instruction starting, uh, looks like, just before the 1st of November. Uh, so I'm really pumped about that. Uh, a good buddy of mine, Dave Kent, is the PGA director of, I'm sorry, PGA professional, but also general manager there. And uh, he inherited the facility about six months ago. And one of the uh, battle cries was to improve the instructional program. And they, uh, David tapped me. So I'm off, I'm off to Crown Colony. Ah, congratulations. That's fantastic. So um, as as you were saying that, I pulled up the, the website. And uh, for those that want to uh, take a look and uh, potentially go see TP in, in November, crowncolonygcc.com is the website. Talk about the facility and what you're going to have available for folks there, Tom. Yeah, actually, it's, it's, I'm going to be very fortunate, Chris. Um, I'm going to be able to teach non-members on a, uh, on a you know, scheduled basis. Um, so they can contact me directly uh, through my website or through my email or text. Uh, so tpatriotmindspring.com or my, my phone. Every, all my information is on my website at tompatriot.com. They can contact me directly and schedule a lesson. Um, great short game area, wonderful past pound range. Uh, they're actually in the process right now of building a brand new teaching tee at the back of the range for me, which will be nice and quiet and secluded for some private instruction. Uh, I will be able to give playing lessons at the facility as well. It's a really nice golf course, a Ron Garl golf course. Uh, it's funny, Ron Garl lives in Lakeland, Florida, where I went to school at Florida Southern. I've known Ron for about 40 years. Um, so here I am circling back to one of his facilities. Um, so I, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, Chris. It's it's going to be a, a whole new chapter, and uh, and I'm really excited about it. And it sounds like the membership is kind of hungry for some instruction. They've never had a, a director of instruction, so it should be a, it should be a heck of a winner. Ah, good for you. I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy for that membership and the folks in, in and around Fort Myers that they're going to have uh, 
uh, the best in the game down there to teach them uh, whatever it is they need to know. You're the man. So congratulations. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate that, Chris. I really do. Thank you. Tom, I want to start our time this week by getting your thoughts on what we've seen from Dustin Johnson over the last several weeks. I mean, going back to the PGA Championship where he finished, you know, tied for second, then we saw him lap the field at the Northern Trust by 11 strokes, and then if it wasn't for a miracle 66-foot putt uh, by John Rahm in the playoff at the BMW Championship, he might have won that that, uh, tournament as well. And then he wins uh, this past weekend at Eastlake. A heck of a run for him. What? What are your thoughts on what we're seeing now from Dustin Johnson? Well, well, the fir- my first thought is I, I was wondering if I could call Dustin and see if I could borrow part of that $15 million, you know, maybe to get the winner started. Uh, $15 large, Chris, $15 large. You know what's really amazing that he's talking about, though? Do you remember what what's he that? shot at Memorial? Do you remember what he shot yeah, at Memorial? Yeah, I do. I do, as a matter of fact. I mean, we, we saw him, what, break, barely break 80. Every he broke eighty. No, he did. He, I don't think he broke eighty one of the days. You know, so he he shoots a million at Memorial on on a hard golf course, but shoot, shoots a million, and then kind of you know vanishes for a brief period. Then all of a sudden he reappears and he lights it up for the last you know conceivably five weeks in a row. You know, starting like you said at the PGA, uh, and 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 like you said, if not for a miracle putt by John Rahm in that playoff. He would have kind of run the tables. I mean, just incredible golf. I mean, you know, just you know, lap the field in one of the events, 30 under. Um, you know, it, he, he's such a powerful player. You know, and he, when he gets it going the right way, and I'll tell you what, it's well documented about his wedge play being improved the last couple of years, you know, uh, with the use of track man and dialing in distances. But now I, I thought he just putted the ball beautifully this, this last week, a couple weeks for that matter. I mean, just, you know, kind of really took his time. And he, he noticed that we slowed down the routine a little bit. It took some more time, but just hold all kinds of putts. I mean, I, you know, I, I know what the next question is going to be, Chris. I mean, we got Wingfoot coming up, and then we got the Masters. Yep. You know, he starts driving the ball in the fairway and putting the ball like that and, and, and hitting his short irons the way he's hitting them. Um, I said, boy, I tell you what. I mean, you know, Wingfoot, I'm not sure about Wingfoot because it's just so tight and so penal. You know, a lot of funny things could happen, but driving the ball like he's driving it, putting like he's putting it around Augusta National in November, <laughs> I got to, I got to tell you, he, he's really looking strong right now, really strong. To your point, and you always have drilled into my head, and you drill into all of our heads at the end of your shows on Thursday night on Instagram Live. Short game, short game, short game. I mean, the guy drives the ball a mile. His wedge play is, yep. is much improved, and I think really his Achilles heel had been putting. I mean, we saw what you know what happened in the in the U, uh, U.S. Open uh, a few years ago when he was on the green in two and really just needed to you know he had a putt to win it, had a putt to tie it, and then lost it. So if that putting stroke is on like it has been, I can't imagine anybody beating this guy. And to your point, I want to talk about Wingfoot now because I know that's a golf course you're very familiar with. Talk about what it's going to take for someone to be able to beat Dustin Johnson based on his length and his ability to putt. Well, I, yeah, Chris, to your point, I, I spent a lot of time at Wingfoot through the years when I was at Westchester Country Club for my 11 years as director of instruction there. It was right right down the street, basically. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I probably played 20-plus uh, oh, rounds of golf on the West Course and maybe a, a dozen golf course, a dozen rounds on the East Course there. 
the West Coast hosting the U.S. Open this year. Um, you know, it's a bear. It's a hard golf. It's a hard golf course on normal days under U.S. Open conditions. I was just in Greenwich, Connecticut, about a week or so ago, uh, and I had dinner with a couple of Wingfoot members um, who are good players. And they, you know, the, the muff is tough. It's 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 really long. It's you know, it's ankle deep. Uh, it's very healthy. There's no plans to cut it, from what I understand. Uh, the fairways have been pinched in. The putting surfaces are, are difficult on a normal day. They're going to be, you know, irrespective of it raining at all. If it doesn't rain and it's dry and you get firm and fast, uh, it's one of the best bunkered golf courses I've ever played in my life strategically. Uh, you're going to have to drive the ball in play. If you don't drive it in play, it's basically a, it's basically a wedge out or a hack out back to the fairway. It's not You're not going to advance the ball to the green. Uh, the greens are so well protected and elevated that you can't, you're not going to be able to get the ball to the green from that rough. So driving the ball in play is going to be is going to be a premium. I would not be surprised, Chris, at all. It would just shock me one bit. You're going to you might cringe at this one that over par wins that golf tournament. I, I don't I don't I wouldn't shock me one bit if you know three or four over won the golf tournament there. To your point, Tom. I mean, you go back to 2006, right? Jeff, Jeff Ogilvy wins that U.S. Open with a final score of you know. Plus five, you're right. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see you know three what three four five whatever it is over par win the golf tournament. But, you know, to your point about the rough and the and the fairways being pinched in and the elevated greens. Talk about what kind of golf, uh, what kind of player I should say, does the golf course favor? Does it favor uh, a left to right player? We know Dustin Johnson kind of likes to fade the ball a little bit left to right. Is that does that kind of fall in line? Does that make him an even larger favorite, or does the golf course really uh, favor somebody that hits it right to left? You know, I, I think the thing about Winfoot, Chris, quite honestly, is you got to be able to move the ball both ways. I mean, you got to be able to, uh, and if you can't move it both ways, you've got to be extremely strategic and extremely patient. Uh, there are holes that go both ways. I don't think it favors either one of those players. I think that you know, the straight ball is a big advantage, and I think certainly. Uh, you know, I would think a high ball hitter would be a little bit better there coming into those putting surfaces. They're going to be that firm, and they are elevated. So somebody can, you know, can hoist the ball up in the air. Now, we know that certainly DJ can do that. You know, we know guys like JT can do that. Um, you know, we know that uh, Jason Day can do that. We, you know, we can name a lot of players that can do that. Uh, not all of them can move it both ways, however. Um, so I think you really – you're going to have to be very, very patient and pick your spots. Uh, I think you have to be very, very smart off the tee. Um, it's not a short, uh, and at par 70, it doesn't give you a lot of opportunities in terms of par five. So, you know, you, you, you got to, listen, you got to go in there knowing you're in for a you know, 15, weight, 15 round heavyweight fight. You're going to get punched a couple of times. You need to be able to take a punch and, and, and counter punch a little bit, but it's, it's going to be a long four days for those guys. It really is. So to that end, as you uh, point out, is this a, a golf course where, you know, patience is going to be at a premium because you are going to take your lumps, you are going to make your bogeys, but not to get too far down on yourself, knowing that so is everybody else. So sort of the patient player is going to have a really good opportunity to win because, you know, you put the, the bogey in the rear view, try not to make double or triple. and three, four, five over wins the golf tournament. Is that going to be a key? Is patience going to be a premium? I think, you, I think you're right on the mark, Chris. I mean, I think you're, 
a thousand percent on the mark. I think that uh, you, you're going to have to understand that over four days, you know, you might the winner might make a triple somewhere and still and still and still be in contention. Just there are going to be some big numbers out there. It just it's just going to happen. So, you know, I think you know it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So patience is definitely going to be a, a very very big factor at Wingfoot. So it, it, as I mentioned, the Jeff Ogilvy winning in 2006, we all remember what happened with Phil Mickelson. That should have been his U.S. Open, should have been the one he won. We know what happened on the last hole. So if Tom Patry is on the bag for Phil Mickelson, in some way, somehow, <laughs> Phil Mickelson is on top of the leaderboard on the 18th hole comes Sunday late afternoon, and he wants the driver... Are you handing it to him? You're breaking it over your knee. I'm definitely breaking it over my knee. It's not even a question. It's not, he, he he might even get a couple others broken over over my knee too. I mean, you know that going back to that open, which was so hard to watch because the guy is so damn talented. Uh, and if, if you don't know the stat, Chris, if I remember correctly, coming walking onto the 18th tee that day, still with an opportunity to win that golf tournament. I think he had hit two fairways through the first 17 holes. Um, and here's a guy who obviously hits it plenty far. I mean, plenty far. So he hits three or four wood or whatever he has in his bag down there in the fairway and hits one more club into that green. And, and with that short game, if he misses the green somewhere, there's still a really good chance he's going to make four. Um, and, and he wins the golf tournament going away. How that driver got out of that bag in his hands uh, you know, and I took some heat for writing this article back when this happened. I wrote an article for the Naples Daily News back then. I took a lot of heat for it, but I, I didn't write anything that that 50 other writers didn't write at that point either. Um, but no, the driver does not get in his hand. No way, no how. So who do you who do you like? You know, give me give me a couple of players you think we're going to see at the top of the leaderboard come late Sunday afternoon. Well, I mean, I mean, my, my obvious first choice is Chris Mascaro. I think Chris comes down there, there you with go. a lot of, lot of game and, and and a lot of you know a lot of grit, and I think he's got a real hell of a chance. <laughs> but if, barring barring Chris, I mean, how do you not like Dustin Johnson right now? How do you not like Justin Thomas playing the way he's playing right now? Um, you know. There's so many guys playing good right now, Chris. I mean, John Rahm obviously has got to be has got to be on the radar screen. I mean, you can't discount him. Uh, I mean, the kid has played good all year long, and nobody's talking about him. Is Brendan Todd? Uh, Colin Morikawa obviously has a ton of patience that we just talked about, and, and has got every shot in the bag. So there's so many guys playing good right now. Um, you know, <laughs> how do you how do you pick one? Um, I just, I, I just think I, I'm not going to miss a shot. I'm, I can't wait to watch every single swing for four days. It's going to be great. Tom, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight, and I want to start with setup and distance. We're standing away from the ball. How can we tell if our setup is too far away from the golf ball, or we're too far on top of it? Because I, I, I was really blessed to spend some time in my in my career at Westchester during those Buick Classics every year with a, with a fellow named Ken Venturi, who we all know who Ken Venturi was. He doesn't need any explanation or any introduction. Uh, and, and Ken, Ken told me, uh, God rest his soul, that a fellow named Byron Nelson, he, you've heard of Byron Nelson, haven't you, Chris? I've heard that name. He was kind of, he was pretty good, wasn't he? He was decent. Yeah, he was good. 
He's not bad. He, he, Ken told me that Byron told him you could never stand too close to the golf ball. And and I and I kind of I kind of cringed when I heard that because I've always felt kind of jammed. And Ken went on to explain to me that if you took your normal posture and, and didn't put a club in your hands, you just took your posture, you know, flex your knees slightly, bent from the waist, suck your rump out a little bit, and then just let your arms hang from your shoulders so they hang vertically downward. And wherever they hang, if you slap your hands together, that's how far you should be from the ball. Your arms shouldn't be extended off your body or in any contrived way held, you know, inordinately closer to your body. You sort of hang from your posture, and that's where you should slap your hands together onto the grip and, and go play the game. So I've always used that in, in, uh, in putting my players in a decent posture, first of all, you know, getting their body oriented uh, in, a, in a proper stance and set up and spine angle. And then I asked them just let their arms hang or dangle from their shoulders. And wherever they dangled, I'd, I'd stick the club grip between their two hands and ask them to place their hands on the club at that juncture. And that's, that's what they should feel like over the golf ball. Um, most of the players that come to my lesson team, and I, I think most of the instructors out there would agree with me, teachers would agree with me that most people stand too far from the golf ball. They reach for the golf ball and they get very disconnected. And once you're disconnected, you know, you, you've got loss of power. You've got, you've got uh, a plane and a path that are going to be altered severely uh, in a negative way. So I think setting up to the golf ball and finding your spacing, as you're asking me about, Chris, is, is really vital to hitting solid golf shots. Next time, I, I want to get your thoughts on how we can do a better job of hitting three wood off the deck. I mean, I think a lot of us, get to a point where we're we're chunking that shot, we're coming off of that shot. How can we do a better job of hitting fairway woods off the fairway? Well, you know, Chris, that's a great question. I think that goes back partly, Chris, to fitting. And I think what people don't understand is that you need a certain degree of speed and certainly quality of contact to launch a low-lofted club off of a tight fairway line. And one of the things that's happened, I think, recently in golf, not, not so recently, but relatively recently, is that from an agronomy standpoint, we're playing on much tighter, much close, more closely cut groomed fairways than we ever have in the history of the game. And, you know, I can tell you in teaching my senior players in Florida who don't have, you know, the highest of swing speeds, uh, it's going to be tough to get that golf ball airborne with a, for example, a 13-degree three-wood. So what I, one of the things I've, one of the tricks I've played on a lot of my students is I've, I've taken a five wood head and putting a three wood length shaft in it, giving them some more loft and, and, and they've, they've not really given up very much yardage at all and are much happy with the, happy with the results. Uh, I think a lot of times it comes down to the equipment itself and, and understanding that, you know, on a, on a really tight line, if you're not producing a fair amount of speed, you're not going to get that ball in the air. It's just not going to happen. So that's the first thing I think that most people should look at is just look at their equipment. And most people that we teach at the club level shouldn't have a 13-degree three-wood in their bag, period. Just, just, let's just start with that. So interesting. You put a three-wood shaft in a five-wood head. Talk about what, how that changes things up. Obviously, the law. Well, how does that change it up? Yeah, the law, listen, first of all, here's the first thing I tell everybody right away. Loft is your friend, okay? Loft is your friend, okay? So let's get loft on our side. Let's make sure loft is on our team. And then 
the three-wood length shaft you know, allows them still to create some leverage and some speed and some width in their golf swing. Um, so the combination of the loft and the length of shaft helps them still propel the ball pretty close to the distance they would hit a three-wood if they had it on a tee, for example, <laughs> and made it a lot easier for themselves. So uh, it's just, just a little trick that, I, you know, and I didn't come up with it. That was something I got from a fellow named Jack Burke. And, and so I'm dropping a lot of names here, and I don't mean to be doing that, but when you get information like that from the people like Jack Burke and Ken Venturi, you need to pay attention, and, and you need to go out and apply that information and help people. TP, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your great website, how they can get video lessons from you, and then also follow you, whether it's on your website or on social media as well. Chris, you know, all the, all the usual spots, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, certainly. Uh, and then the website is simply TomPatry.com. And then, uh, like I said, I'll be starting at uh, the beautiful Crown Colony Club in Fort Myers, Florida, November 1st. And I will have available availability for some non-member lessons there on a uh, appointment-only basis. Um, and then, you know, on my Instagram live show on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, I have some great guests coming up. I've got, you know, Dave Moore, the, the President CEO of Title is coming. Uh, a lot of, a lot of wonderful guests. And I've got the great Chris Mascaro coming up soon. So people will be able to put a face of, yeah, unbelievable, uh, in a, in a, in a Return appearance, hopefully without a thunderstorm in the mount from the mountains of Georgia, <laughs> where we can really hear from. We're going to be able to put that great face with the name and the voice, you know, on on the on the big silver screen. So I'm really excited about that. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm, I'm definitely. You better have your A game that night, pal, because I'm gonna I'm gonna come right at you, right at you. <laughs> <laughs> as as some wise guest once said to me, you always get my A game. I heard that somewhere. <laughs> hey, you know, before before I go, I want to say I want to say one thing to everybody out there. I I I look forward to these 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 Tuesday nights with you very much. Nobody uh, does the game a greater service, and, and it's it's evident by being voted into that top fifty again. Here's a guy from you know from the from the foothills of Georgia who just came out of nowhere, and he's doing a hell of a job with this podcast and. And making a lot of people smile, and a lot of people learn, and, and a lot of people enjoy, and and uh, doing a great service for the game of golf. So we are hats off to Chris Mascaro and and uh, next on the tee. No, oh, I appreciate you, TP. You're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being such a regular guest here on the show every week. You know I love you, my friend. Don't ever forget that. We love you, pal. You're the best, man. Talk Take care, TP. Stay safe out there, my friend. We'll catch up in a couple weeks. Thanks, Chris. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I is uh, how you spell his last name. TomPatry.com is the website. And, uh, folks, I'm telling you, Tom does an outstanding job on his Instagram live show. So that's Thursday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Tune in. You're going to learn a lot. He's got great guests every single week, and that's not including me. But uh, I, outside of me, he's got great guests every single week on the show. I learn a lot. I always enjoy tuning in and, and listening to Tom and his guests. He's absolutely fantastic. Look forward to catching up with him here on and uh, on this show in a couple of weeks when he comes back and also being a guest on that show as well. All right, before I get to my next guest, Hal Sutton, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make 
the finest golf equipment in the world, and that remains their mission today. They forge every club they make to provide the feel and feedback investment clubs simply can't provide. And their craftsmen micromanufacture each club to your exacting specifications in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You'll only find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment online at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them there today to learn about their great products and their great prices. also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. And folks, this segment of the show was sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back in making his third appearance with me here on Next on the T.S. Hal Sutton. Let me remind you about Hal's background. He's from Shreveport, Louisiana. Played his college golf at Centenary College, where he was named the 1980 College Golf Player of the Year. During his time there, he won 14 college golf tournaments. He was a two-time All-American and led Centenary to the NCAA Tournament. He was a two-time Trans-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Howe won the 1980 U.S. Amateur Championship in dominating fashion by defeating Bob Lewis 9-8 in their 36-hole championship match. He turned pro in 1981. He got his first win on the PGA Tour in 1982 at the Walt Disney World Classic in a playoff over Bill Britton, and that year he went on to be named the Tour's Rookie of the Year. In 1983, he was named the PGA Player of the Year after winning the Players' Championship and the PGA Championship. In 1998, he won the Tour Championship here in Atlanta in a playoff over Vijay Singh. 2000, he won the Players' Championship by a stroke over Tiger Woods. How captained the 2004 U.S. Ryder Cup team. In all, he won 14 times on the PGA Tour, finished second 18 times. He has 135 top 10 finishes, 239 top 25s, and it's always a huge thrill to say he's with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Hal, thanks for coming back on the show. So, Hal, I want to start by talking about your new studio that you recently opened down there in Houston, Texas. How sudden golf. Talk about what uh, what you've got available down there, what people are going to be able to come in and see and uh, get their games taken to the next level. Uh, we built a 4,500-square-foot indoor facility that has three teaching bays with track man and uh, uh, swing catalyst, force plates, and uh, G-quads. And then we have in the back, we have four heating stations, uh, with radar as well, uh, with, uh, where people can just come in and practice on their own game and get radar. Uh, Chase Cooper teaches with me and Will Paul Sell. And, uh, it's, it's been a fun venture. Uh, we've only been open five weeks and, uh, we didn't do any advertising at all. And, We've been fairly busy, so, uh, you know, Houston's a big market, and uh, I think we've built probably the nicest place down here, so, uh, and I think we have a lot of wisdom in the building, too. That's the most important part. 
And you've also done a great job of redesigning your website. You can get video lessons. People can get video lessons from you. So if they're not in the uh, in the Houston area, they can send you some video. Talk about that. Yeah, we do uh, online video lessons, and uh, we did a little bit different uh, deal where people can uh, join on a monthly basis, and there's no limit. So in other words, uh, you could send in five or six swings a month and get a lesson on what we think you need to do uh, to improve your game. Uh, you know, most people that do a video lesson, uh, they charge you each time, and w- we're really about game improvement. We want to see people improve. And um, honestly, it takes a, you know, on our website, we talk about this being a journey with no destination. No one can predict how good you can be. We don't want to uh, even put a prediction on it. We want to not limit you like that. So we we feel like it's a, you know, a constant journey. It's a commitment from you. And it's also a commitment from us to help you be as good as you can be. And, uh, you know, I, I spent my whole life digging it out of the dirt, trying to be the best I could be. And I'm fascinated with all of the new technology that's available. And, and, you know, I look back and wonder how good I could have been had I had all of this. You know, I wonder how much easier it could have been for me rather than digging it out of the dirt. You know, we had grainy video and what somebody thought they felt. And they continued to tell you that feel wasn't real, but they wanted you to believe in the feel they were talking about. Well, the truth of the matter is data has quantified feel. So we can actually, you know, it, it's given definition to feel. You know, when someone talked to you about feel before, you know, I mean, it, it was like this uh, strange thing that we couldn't couldn't define. And now all of a sudden we can really define feel. And to your point, Hal, and some of the things we've talked about in the past is, you know, you had some struggles with, with your golf game at times. And to your point, you had to dig it out of the day. You had to spend time trying to figure it out on your own. Talk about the data now. And if something starts to go wrong, how do we know what, what data is telling us? Oh, that's the problem. You need to do this or that. Talk about how we figure that well, out. Well, the best part about data is, is when you're really playing good, getting all of the data and all the, all the video that you can get so that when you're not playing well, and I'm talking about a really good player right now, but when, you know, I would have never had two year down periods in my career. Have we had this, what we have today then, because I would have gotten all the data and all the video when I was playing well. And then when I wasn't playing well, I would have seen what it was. And I said, okay, this is what I was doing differently then versus what I'm doing now. And for all of the kids that are growing up out there now, uh, just continuing to get your data and continuing to see where your club path is, where your attack angle is, where your face angle is at, what your launch angle is at. There's, you know, there's 26 different functions on a on a uh, track man, and they're not all beneficial. In fact, when kids come in, we don't even let them see all of that stuff. That's really for the teacher, but all of it is documented. We know exactly where you're at, and we know how to get you back to that point. And you talk about kids and uh, some of the uh, images on your website, again, HalSuttonGolf.com, is uh, with you with some junior players. Talk about talking to them, not only just about the data piece. I think that's something that 
kids can probably wrap their minds around a little bit, but it's all the intangible that you bring. You talked about wisdom a little bit ago. Talk about sharing your wisdom with them. Well, that's the one thing that I think we offer that no one has to offer. I spent 25 years out there. I know about all of the problems inside the ropes. I know about all the problems outside the ropes. I know who's trying to hang on to you and and hang on to you because you're their ticket. Uh, I know how to the parental versus the student, basically, or the child. Uh, you know, there's a lot of problems out there as far as parents and childs are concerned, as far as agents and players are concerned. I lived it for 25 years. So trust me, I know a lot about it. And I think that sort of thing uh, is is an area that we can talk to kids about that they have no idea about. And, you know, we're not just for kids. I mean, we spend, I bet, 60% of our time is is with handicapped players that are looking to be better. And, uh, you know, I want everybody to get better. You know, I love the game. I want to enjoy the game. I know what it takes to enjoy the game. And, uh, you know, you just had Tom on, and he talked about Loft is your friend. There's not a single doubt that Loft is everybody's friend. But do you know how many people walk in and want Loft on their club? You know what the first thing they say? I want 20 more yards. I want 20 <laughs> more yards. And guess what? Added Loft is not going to give you 20 more yards. But let me give you the second part of this equation. All the balls are low-spin balls. The lower you hit it, the quicker it wants to come out of the air. The quicker it comes out of the air, most of the time means it's less, it has less length. And, you know, that is wisdom, not understanding golf clubs, golf balls, and how they react. And so, you know, I think that's what we have at House Sutton Golf. We have the knowledge of all of that. Yeah, so take that a, a, a step further, Hal, because to your point, right, we all want more distance. But I think we confuse more distance with what we see on commercials. And here's what I mean by that. You know, Tiger Woods hits these irons. Tiger Woods plays this golf ball. Dustin Johnson does this. You know, so we see all of that and we immediately think, well, if that's what they're doing, that's what I need to do. So I need the same clubs. I need that golf ball. Talk about, you know, it's got to be what's right for us in our swing not what's working for a tour pro that will never play like. Well, I mentioned earlier that we're all on a journey to our own better self as a golfer. We're not on Tiger Woods' journey. We're not on Dustin Johnson's journey. We're on our own personal journey. I can speak to this fact because I'm a lot closer to being one of them than most people are out there. And I can't do anything that those guys do. So why would somebody sitting at home listening to this podcast right now think that whatever Tiger Woods was doing or whatever Dustin Johnson was doing would apply to what they're trying to do? So they need to talk to someone that can help them become the best version of who they want to be. And, you know, most of the time that has nothing to do with what Tiger Woods and what Dustin Johnson is doing. And, you know, that's why I was 
applauding Tom for saying what he did about Loft is your friend. You know, the manufacturers have turned what used to be a five iron into a seven iron. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, all these people think they hit, you know, uh, a seven iron as far as they hit a five iron. They don't. They're still hitting a five iron. It just happens to say a seven on the bottom of it. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's marketing at its finest. It's trickery. And when it comes right down to the driver, no one's getting any more yardage than they used to get because they don't have enough club head speed to keep a low spin ball in the air long enough for it to do that. And, you know, I, I had a guy come in this last week. He's one of the great players in Houston. He's an older guy. And he said, you know, I still hit my irons as far as I ever did. I just can't hit my driver as far as I used to. And I said, well, the truth is you can't hit your irons as far as you used to either because you got a lot less loft on each one of these irons. So even though it's you're thinking you're hitting your seven iron as far as you used to hit it, it's really a five iron. And this guy's a really good player, and he should know that, but he didn't know that. Hal, one of the things that uh, you tweeted about recently was that the 15th club in everybody's bag should be imagination. And to your earlier point, with all of the technology we have now, I think imagination and experimentation isn't something we do a lot of. Talk about how you can develop that imagination and hit different shots. Well, the reason why I tweeted that out is because I'm watching all the kids get so locked in on the data and they are on the practice range all the time. And the way you really learn how to play golf is not on the practice tee, it's on the golf course. And it's trying different shots. It's doing things. Uh, you know, every time that I went out to play when I was young, I wasn't trying to score every day. I was trying different shots. And, you know, I one day I'd go out and I'd cut every shot. Uh, I'd go out the next day and I'd draw every shot. That didn't mean that I actually cut every shot or actually drew every shot, but that was my intent. And then there was other days that I'd go out and I'd want to hit bump and runs all the time instead of hit flop shots. So, you know, you go through the course of a round of golf and you don't get all the shots all the time. And you could go a month without hitting a certain kind of shot. Trust me, Tiger didn't go a month without hitting certain kinds of shots. He might have gone a month on the golf course without hitting in, in tournament play without hitting certain shots. But he never went a month without hitting all of the shots when he practiced. And I know there are kids out there today that don't do that. And they do the same thing over and over again. And that will never develop imagination. One of the other things that you tweeted about recently, Hal, was people needing to find a mentor who's going to be honest with them. Talk about why that's important. Well, we live in a world where we surround ourselves with people that tell us what we want to hear because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And the truth is, is that you can't get better if that's all you ever hear is what you want to hear. So, you know, I talked about how Jackie Burke had come to Fredericksburg and told me when I had quit the game basically for five years and he couldn't stand the fact that I had. And he drove out there and he asked me, so 
how much would you sell your game for if some rich guy came along and said, I want to buy your game? And I, you know, I said, uh, why would we even ponder that point? Because it's not possible. He said, you know, play along with me here. What if Michael Bell from Austin called you here in Fredericksburg and said, Al, I'm going to bring a check out there tomorrow. I want to buy your golf game. He said, would it cost $10 million? And I said, well, yeah, if it was possible, sure it would, because I spent that kind of time on it. It, you know, I developed it. And he said, so then you tell me why you would have treated something as haphazardly as you treated it for the last five years. If it's really that important to you. He said, now I got to go back to Houston. Well, to me, that took someone that really cared about me to drive four hours to tell me that and then to drive back four hours. He certainly didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. He told me the absolute gospel truth, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, you know, I think to me, if I go in to get a lesson, I don't want the guy to patronize me so that I'll come back and give him another couple of hundred dollars in two weeks. I want him to tell me the truth. I want him to say, you know, whatever the truth is. And I can deal with the truth. I, at least I can make decisions on the truth. Hal, I want to switch gears just a little bit and, and get your thoughts uh, on a couple of things uh, that we're seeing going on around the PGA Tour. Um, your thoughts on the Tour Championship and the format with Dustin Johnson starting out with, you know, minus 10 and John Rahm minus 8, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts about how that format is set up? Is it a good thing or is it hokey? Well, I'm not crazy about it, and I'll tell you why I'm not crazy about it. Somebody else won that golf tournament this week, and let me tell you how important tournament wins are. So, for instance, I won 14 times on the tour. What's the difference between 14 and 15 wins? Quite a bit. Most people are automatically inducted into the Hall of Fame, 15 wins. You know, if I had won that tournament, but yet I wasn't recognized as the winner of that tournament, that's a big deal. To that end, is there is there to something that else that they – should it just be like any other tournament? You know, the, hey, top 30 guys get in based on the points and the, and the point value. Whoever wins that tour championship, those points get layered on to everything else. And then we see who the overall tour champion is. Or how do you, how do you think it should be set up? Well, I don't know how it should be set up. You know, I was on the board of the tour for six years. And I can tell you, whatever you do, there's second guessing going on by everybody. And and I will tell you that most likely uh, there'll be enough talk about this that in the end there'll be some some adjustments made to this. Uh, you know, one thing that I'd like to say, I don't want to take anything away from Dustin Johnson. What an incredible last month and a half he had. And I want to comment that he also had a couple of weeks where he shot in the 80s prior to this last run that he had. Right. I mean, do you realize how hard it is to shoot in the 80s and then bring your game back to the level that he brought it back to over the last month? So I'm not taking anything away from what Dustin Johnson did. He's an incredible player, and he played at an incredible level over the last month. So, uh, but I think, they have some tweaking to do when it comes to the tour championship. I think that was your point. Right. 
Looking ahead to next week's U.S. Open at Wingfoot, a place that uh, will now have hosted 12 majors, including a, a couple of USMs and a U.S. Senior Open. You played there in the U.S. Open in 1984. What do you expect to see this week? Wingfoot one that there is. Uh, I think it's one of the hardest U.S. Open golf courses I've ever played in my life. Of course, I was playing it when I could only hit the ball 270 yards. These guys can hit it 330 or 40 yards now. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'll be watching like everybody else. You know, I watch the majors like at Harden Park, you know, and these guys are hitting mid irons into par fives and short irons into par fours. Even if it is out of the rough, it's you know, when I played major championships, I remembered wearing my long irons out. Uh, we just don't see that that much anymore. And I'm wondering, is that good for the game or is it not? It's, I mean, you can't turn it back, but how do we cope like this? You know, I mean, there's no comparison to be made. Um, there's a winner each week. That's the one good thing. Somebody's going to shoot low. Do you expect to see someone break par? Do you think it? You know, you go back to 06 when Ogilvy won at uh, plus five. Do you think that's a golf course that uh, now with the length, someone may shoot a few under par? Do you expect to see guys finish over? Well, uh, it, it, it depends on a lot of things. First of all, there'll be, I'm, I'm certain there'll be some rough there. And without fans there, no, the rough is trampled down. So, uh, you know, one of the things that people don't really realize is fans create the frame of the hole. And uh, so it's a little bit easier to see the bullseye uh, when there are fans there than when there isn't fans there. So, uh, you know, this is way different than any other time that we've ever played Wingfoot. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncertain of what we're going to see. I'm anxious just like everybody else is. Hal, before I let you go, remind everyone again about your website, how they can get lessons from you, and then also follow you on social media as well. Well, it's HalSuttonGolf.com, and, uh, you know, you can follow us on Twitter or, or Instagram, uh, both. And uh, we offer different plans and lessons, individual lessons, online lessons. We hopefully we can help somebody along their journey. Well, Hal, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a thrill for me to get to spend some time with you. I hope we get to continue and have you come back again real soon and tell us how things are going at the at, at the Hal Sutton Golf Academy and and uh, all the great things that you're up to. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you, and I'm echo what Tom said. You do so much for the game. You're so kind to all of us that are out there in the game. You promote the game. You promote the people that uh, you're part of. And, uh, you know, we need more people like you in the game of golf. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, Hal. That means a great deal to me. Um, you're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being generous with your time. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Please stay safe and all the best to you and your family. All right. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. See you, Hal. That's a great Hal Sutton right there, folks. It doesn't get much better than that. You want to talk about a guy that, you know, first of all, he's going to tell you like it is. So that, like we talked about earlier in the uh, conversation, you want to find a mentor who's going to be honest with you. Well, that's going to be Hal Sutton. 
And then you want to learn from somebody, like he said, who, who knows what's going on in the ropes, knows what's going on outside the ropes, and um, learn how to steer away from some of the things that you might not be aware of that are going on, you know, whether it's with you or your junior player, and then uh, get the best that's going to be able to show you what's going on in your golf swing. It's right there, folks. HalSuddenGolf.com is the website. He's got uh, a, a fantastic indoor facility down there in Houston. And give him a follow on social media as well. Fantastic. Can't wait to have Hal back on the show again soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Bill Embla, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin for a course that has them near you. I also want to give another shout-out to our friends over at the McLemore. The McLemore Mountaintop community rests atop the highlands of Lookout Mountain, Georgia, overlooking historic McLemore Cove and Pigeon Mountain. Surrounded on all sides by state and national parks, historic land districts, and private land trusts. The resort features an 18-hole Reese Jones and Bill Bergen championship course, a gated residential community, and a planned clubhouse opening in the fall of 2020, plus planned hotel and conference center. The dramatic 18-hole course is made up of a variety of golf experiences, combining canyon holes, highland holes, cliff edge holes that are well-suited for the beginning golfer as well as the senior player. McLemore also offers a wonderful six-hole short course called the Karen, Designed by Bill Bergen, the Cairn provides players with a short warm-up or cool-down before or after a round, or a relaxing way to improve one's game with family and friends. McLemore is located a short driving distance from Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and just 35 minutes from downtown Chattanooga, voted number one best town in America two years in a row by Outside Magazine. While a private course, McLemore offers stay-and-play packages for guests in club-managed properties, as well as a number of membership opportunities, including social memberships, non-resident memberships, and corporate memberships as well. For more information, please visit McLemore online at themclemore.com or give them a call at 800-329-8154. Now joining me here on Next on the T is the founder of Shoots Golf, Bill Embla. And Shoots is spelled S-H-O-O-T-Z, and the website is shootsgolf.com. Got a couple of great products that are going to help us get rid of the clankety-clank in our golf clubs and really make it look nice. I've been on their website looking around, and boy, I'm really excited to have Bill as part of the show tonight. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining me. Hey, yo, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. How are you, Bill? Excellent, excellent. I feel very honored to be in the company of Tom and Hal Sutton, by the way. I don't know how you found me, but I feel like I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> yeah, you do. I appreciate the fact that you are. And and Bill, you know, for for our listeners, let let them know, you know, about Shoots Golf, what the product is. You know, you've got a couple of different ones, Shoots and Skulls. Talk about what the what they are designed to help us do. Well, the Shoots Golf Club holder and organizer is a tube with a with a block and a wedge on top. And, and your club sits in the wedge with a clearly identifiable marker. You can order them as you have clubs in your bag, like a, a five iron through nine iron pitching wedge and, and a 52, 54, 60 
law of wedge type thing, and you, you get shipped the tube and the with the block on top that hold your uh, cup in place. The the block keeps them from spinning in the bag, and so they never touch each other, and they're so easy to take in and out of the bag. So talk about wh- where did the idea for this come from? Oh gosh, thirty years ago. Um, I was 12 years old, I believe, when my mom and dad introduced me to golf, and I hated the golf bag. Clubs all stuck together and rattling around. Uh, um, with the introduction of um, modern 3D printing, I bought a 3D printer and I started prototyping, and that's where it happened. Talk about it, Bill, because like I say, you know, one of the things I think gets on all of us, whether we're we're carrying our clubs with us and that may be out on the golf course. It could be we're carrying them to and from the car or they're just sitting in the back of our cars. We get the clankety clankety clank. So this is really great that it helps us, you know, not have to deal with the noise, but also talk about, does this help protect the, the clubs? Talk about some of the other uh, impact that the, the shoots protector has beyond just the noise factor. Yeah, beyond the noise factor, it does it does everything. I mean, it presents the clubs to you with the uh, number on the face of the block. It sits the clubs in the bags where they will never get any movement damage. It it does um, absolutely everything. Um, when when I was looking at patenting my invention and and the search of the international golf patent, there's a, been a million of them in there. Most of them are haywire. With, with the advent of 3D, I uh, was able to uh, make this. And Bill, I have to imagine that when you're going out to play and you've got your, you know, your bag, whether it's, it's in the cart or it's on a pull cart or you're, you know, you, you've just got it set up out there. Other people got to be asking you about what that is and how it works. Talk about the full product pitch mode. I, I got to imagine you're, you're in constant pitch mode at least from the first tee through the first couple of holes because people are looking at it and go, that looks fantastic. What is it? Yeah, uh, I'm a poor salesman, so I'm not in constant pitch mode. Um, w- when I'm out on the course, it's like I forget they exist. They're just a super easy thing that happens along, right? And and I'm not a very good salesperson. One of our members at my home course is like, hey, what are you up to lately? And I, oh, I'm doing this. And I showed him. And then he called everyone over in the parking lot. Come look at this. Look at this. Look what this guy's doing type thing. Yeah, it, it's a slow struggle to get this off the map. Having you invite me on my on your show with with uh, Tom Patry and Hal Sutton is, is an amazing step, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad. And Bill, talk about what these are. You got a tube, you've got a, a number that sits in a sort of a block on the top of the tube that the club fits down inside and it presents the club and it can be in any different direction. Are all of them a standard size? Is this sort of a one size fits all for every bag? Or do, uh, depending on the golf bag, is there some customization that needs to happen? Yeah, uh, I've done over 200 iterations of, of this thing. And it's your iron. Um, like if you've got a four iron, it, it'll work up uh, players to a blade, to a game improvement four iron. 
and it will show it to your face, obviously. Uh, the key point of 30 years of thinking about this is the block that keeps the clubs from turning in the back. And to your point, since the, uh, since the block at the top is where the iron, sort of the face of the iron rests on, and it's got a number, four, five, whatever, but they also, you know, n- not only can they be presented neatly if you wanted them all in a row throughout your golf bag, but you can turn them in any number of different directions, right? So that you can have the club presented to you any way you want to. Oh, exactly, Chris. Um, if you look on my website, you'll see my, my friend, one of my testers, uses uh, the battle formation where they kind of all play around the outside while he plays, right? When when he puts them in his truck, he uh, turns them all straight. And Bill, you know, and golf it, bags it, now. Some sometimes we have individual places for individual clubs, right? There's a little little uh, compartment for every individual club. We got 14 spaces in there, or some of them are sort of divided up into compartments. Doesn't matter, right? What how your bag is configured, your shoots are going to go in and fit and uh, in any way that we need them to, right? Uh, and fit your exact club set. You see those uh, bags that are kind of club management, and they're just generic. They've got a, like a V shape with rubber in them. My club holders, you order them from a four iron to a pitching wedge with a sand wedge, lob wedge, and gap wedge type thing, and they're exact. And Bill, for for those of us that carry our golf bags, still, we either like to carry them. When we walk or we uh, we maybe just, you know, carrying them, like I say, from the car to the course or what, what have you, how much weight do these add to the golf bags? Is it much? For the power cart guys, our full suit tubes are eight pounds for 10, 10 holders. So that's a bit heavy. You, you're not going to pack that around all day. That's why we offer the skulls. They are 2.7 pounds for 10 clubs. Um, less than than a sleeve, a couple sleeves of balls. So talk about the difference. What's the difference between the shoots and the skulls? The skulls have a 12-inch tube hanging off the bottom of the block. So obviously that's quite different, but uh, a lot lighter. And Bill, you've got a number of different color options. I got to tell you, the Augusta version Really caught my eye. Talk about uh, all the different variations you have available. Yeah, that's a bestseller, by the way, the Augusta version. Um, and it looks so gorgeous in person, the green with the yellow numbers. So, yeah, bestseller. Um, American version with the uh, star on the side, the long star. Uh, Canadian version with the maple leaf on the side and that. And it cost me nothing to uh, produce the special eyes version, which is why I offer them at the same price. And Bill, talk about your website and all the different information, because not only do you have the product, you answer a lot of FAQs on there as well. So when when folks are, are looking to go check these out, talk about all the things that you have available, all the information you have available on your website. Again, shootsgolf.com. Currently, you know, I'm, I'm home building this stuff. Best thing I could do would be to license this to, to a producer. I, I know nothing about um, manufacturing. Well, Bill, before I let you go, for folks that want to go online and check out the product, 
And also keep up to date with uh, future things that you're working on and stay up to date with you on social media. Tell our listeners again about your website and then how they can follow you on social media. Well, shootgolf.com, S-H-O-O-T-Z-G-O-L-F.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Oh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Just looking at my internet. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me on, by the way. Tom Patry and, and the legendary Hal Sutton. Thank you. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you for your, for your time. Looking forward to catching up with you and hearing all about the great things that you continue to do with the product. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Take care, Bill. Stay safe. That is Bill Embla. E-M-B-L-A-U is uh, the spelling of his last name. Again, it's Shoots Golf, S-H-O-O-T-Z golf.com. Folks, when you look at the product, you've got a nice tube that uh, that your irons and your woods are going to fit right nice and neatly down inside. And then you got a nice block on top of that tube that's got, you know, some some edging that uh, is going to allow your irons and your woods to fit really nicely on. So they're presented to you any way you want to make them in the configuration, right? So you can have them all facing the same direction. You can have some, like Bill said, if you go on his website, you'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see how, you know, different uh, arrangements are. So however you, you want your clubs to be presented to you, you're going to see it on his website. So like I say, it's going to it's going to stop this sort of clankety clankety clank, you know, when you're walking around or your, your clubs are sitting in your uh, in the back of your car or on the back of the golf cart. Right. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have all noticed. Right. When, when your clubs are clanking around, you, you may get a little ding here and there and that sort of thing. You don't want that really. Right. And first of all, you don't even want to, you know, you don't want to hear that as you're driving along the, the cart path is so you don't want to hear all that clankety clanking around. Right. So this product allows you to, you know, to dull that noise, get rid of that noise, and then also present your clubs in a nice, neat fashion, however you want them set up. And I'm telling you, the Augusta version is absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to, uh, to checking those out again soon. So thanks to Bill for coming on the show. Again, check out his website, shootsgolf.com. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. I want to send out my sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, Hal Sutton, and Bill Emblau for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net, to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. Now, next week we'll be off because it's my son's 20th birthday, so uh, we'll be off celebrating that. But when we are back on September the 22nd, Scheduled to join me are, once again, our great friend Tom Patrick will be back. As you guys know, he's he's on the show every other week, so we'll get some more playing lessons from Tom. One of the all-time great instructors, Bob Ford, is going to be joining me for the first time. So really looking forward to spending some time with him. And uh, back with me will be former PGA Tour Pro Richard Zokel. So Richard's got some things going on that are exciting. He'll have some updates for us as well. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps like podcast.co. Can't thank those guys enough for their support of the show. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Radio.com as well. Folks, I can't thank you enough for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the last, uh, what, uh, hour and 15 minutes or so. Really appreciate the fact that you continue to make next on the tee, a part of your golfing content. Until a couple of weeks from now, hit them straight, my friends.